We interrupt this series to bring you an important message on how to bring your whole life under the blessing of God. This is part two. There'll be three. So we're not going to be in this very long. I gave the little uh, preamble last week to this message how over the 40 years that I've been here, people constantly come up and suggest sermon titles to me. Ideas that I should be preaching about. Apparently, it's not enough that I listen to Jesus. <laughs> Pastor Don, you don't preach nearly enough on this. You don't preach enough on that. You need to do a series on this. And they usually have a, they usually have some kind of an evil that they have in mind that they know other people commit. And get after them, Pastor Don. And then I said, I've never, in the 40 years I've been here, not one time has someone come up to me up until last Sunday and someone was just being wise. But I've never had someone come up to me and just say, boy, Pastor Don, you just don't preach enough about giving and money. Nobody says that. Which means I really needed to do it. And so we're in a series on the atonement. And I just interrupted it for these three weeks. This morning, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, how Jesus would take up an offering in our church. Mark, chapter 12, I want to look at verses 41 to 44. And he, that is Jesus, he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. See, I've often thought if only we had Jesus standing by every person putting in their offering, I'll bet you the giving would just soar. He sat and watched the people putting money in the offering box. Many rich people came, put in large sums, and so they should. 42. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he, Jesus, calls his disciples. Guys, come here, quick, come over here. I want you to see something called his disciples over to him. They weren't there, and he gets them there and said to them, truly, I say to you, and this can't be right. This poor widow has put in more than all those who were contributing to the offering box. Not any one of them, but all of them together. 44. Here's the reason she put in more. And this is the sentence I want to talk about. It's an irritating sense. I don't like it. For they all contributed out of their abundance. She, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The central idea of this morning's teaching needs to be said clearly and remembered. And it's this. I will never grow in the grace of giving, not the chore, the grace of giving, until I have Jesus' viewpoint on it. I read this account for years before I 
was willing to admit what it really said. It's, it's enormous. And it's very countercultural. Giving involves the heart as much as the wallet. Jesus values gifts only as they reflect the state of the heart giving them. Or said maybe more precisely, Jesus measures financial gifts by the priorities that the offering demonstrates. Giving isn't measured by the amount of my offering. We know that from that text. Jesus measures my giving, my giving. I can only talk to me. Jesus measures my giving by the sacrifice of my offering, not the generosity of it. That's different. The sacrifice in it. I can honestly say that I thought a great deal about this text over the years. It's a hard-hitting account for a lot of reasons. I mean, I wonder how many pastors would have been comfortable praising this poor woman for her offering on that Sabbath morning. Is, is it right for the church to take this woman's last cent? Her last cent. Was she being devout? Or was she being a, a little bit reckless? Would she be needing the church's food program next week because of what she put in the offering plate that Sunday? Where's the sense in that? What did her gift accomplish? So, so in praising her gift, was Jesus showing her compassion or was he just being a, a slick fundraiser? The passage is important because it takes the guesswork out of the answers we might give to those questions. Fortunately, Jesus was right there to watch this woman put into one of the 13 different vessels in the outer court for the gifts of the people. He was right there and he was right there on purpose. He didn't have to be there. He says, the text says he put himself, he placed himself opposite where those pots were because he wanted to see what people were giving. Wow. He was there on purpose. Most of us think it's impolite to watch what people put into the offering. In all the years I've been here, I don't know other than our own receipt, I don't know what anybody gives in this church. I've, I've never once in 40 years gone and said, what, what did so-and-so give last year to the church? Never, never. I don't want to know. But Jesus is God. And in this passage, we learn that he didn't look away the way the ushers might when the offering plate goes by. He watches. He watches because to him, giving matters. Apparently, giving indicates Kingdom health, heart health, 
My giving might not be your business, but it absolutely is Jesus' business. And this account says he's interested in it. We know exactly what he thought of all those gifts given that day. The text tells us. He noticed the gifts of the rich and he noticed the gifts of the poor. And, and Jesus didn't despise any of the gifts of the rich just because the givers were rich. That doesn't bother Jesus a bit. He never despised anyone just because they had money any more than he praised this woman just because she was poor. That's not the issue. This widow's gift probably didn't garner anyone else's attention. And so we're pleased that it, it somehow did catch the eye of Jesus. More than that, it didn't just catch his eye. It's not just that he noticed, but he singled her out. He called attention to her gift, inviting all the disciples to come over. Must have made quite an impression on Jesus. He wants them to know something about this woman and what she just did. Was that polite? Was it proper? Or was there just something too important here? A, a lesson too big to pass by? I mean, one thing's for certain. When Jesus calls notice to something, I think we're agreed here. When Jesus calls notice to something, we should notice it. Do we agree? That just makes sense. If Jesus says, look at this, then surely what we're doing this morning has to be right. Here, I think, are the key principles. The first one isn't hard to bear. It's that everyone needs to give to God's kingdom. Everyone. I don't know about you, but there's something in me that feels this lady needed to keep her one cent more than the temple treasury probably needed it. We would have thought maybe it's cruel to take her last penny, let alone praise her for it like Jesus does. I mean, what difference, what difference could her offering possibly make? It's not the kind of thing people would write on the outside, if you're old school, of their offering envelope. And the cost, surely, of processing her gift online would be greater than the gift itself. The church would lose money. And yet, for some yet-to-be-discovered reason, Jesus calls everybody over and praises that gift, especially. Perhaps here we find the very first insight into Jesus' perspective on offerings. People need to give to the Lord. All people need to give to the Lord. We don't do a disservice to people when we teach and encourage them to give. All those wise cracks, you know, about fleecing the flock, we're not exploiting the flock when we teach biblical stewardship. I don't give because the church needs my cash. The church didn't need this widow's penny. I give because I need to grow in the grace of giving. Rich people need to learn to give. Poor people need to learn to give. Everybody needs to be involved in giving to God's kingdom. 
I have that on pretty good authority. It really is better to give than to receive. That's not a fundraising slogan. It's the words of Jesus. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And he meant it's more blessed for the giver. Lesson number two. This too, this one isn't hard to bear. Everyone needs to begin regular patterns of generous stewardship right where they are with the money they presently have. We can all learn from this poor widow. Do you ever catch yourself dreaming what you would do for the Lord's work? Maybe for missions, if only you had more money. I've done that. Have you ever tried to comfort your own heart by telling yourself you, you, you don't have much to work with right now, but boy, if things ever get better, I'm really going to get serious about, about funding the Lord's work. Praise God. The lesson in this text is start, start with the penny. If you're here, you're working. You're working part-time and in a week, you get $25. Make sure right now you know that $2.50 of that should be given to the Lord. Don't wait till you're making hundreds of thousands. One of us in our house, I won't say who, gets an old age security check. I know what you're thinking. Pastor Don, you're 35 years old. How can you possibly... And there it is, you know, 600 and what is it? $608. And all the time, we, we calculate it right away. Well, that's $60, $61, that's not ours. That's how you start. You just do it. Everybody has to start where they are. You can't give what you don't have and God doesn't expect you to. But you do need to begin giving where you are with whatever resources God has placed into your hand. This widow is praised by Jesus because she did not exclude herself from giving. And here's the idea. I can't show you chapter and verse, but it's what Jesus is saying here. Small deeds done, write it down. Small deeds done are way better than great deeds planned. Small deeds done are better than great deeds planned. If you practice being faithful with what you have now, you will grow into being faithful with whatever God places in your hands. But there's something else even more important under this second point. You, you, you build, start early because you build safeguards against covetousness into your life as you honor God with your present wealth. As you are faithful with whatever God has given, you'll gradually learn to continue to love God supremely, even if you should come to possess a great deal of this world's material goods. Seek his kingdom first now. God will bless your life. Your soul will continue to grow. Three, and here's the toughest lesson I've ever had to confront in my New Testament. It's in this text. 
my thinking is 90% of the body of Christ doesn't initially agree with this statement. Point number three, Jesus doesn't measure your giving or my giving by your charitable receipt. It was years before I saw the main point of Jesus' words in this account. We are right on the edge of discovering what I think now is the single most important principle Jesus declares for the 21st century North American church. The key principle in Jesus' perspective on giving is framed in the words of the 43rd verse, and I'm not asking you to trust me, I want to show it to you. He called his disciples to him and said to them, so he starts with this word because we're going to doubt what he's about to say. This is his way of saying, no, 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 this, this is a fact. Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Now we need to get our hearts ready, buckle up. Jesus is saying a countercultural mouthful here. Notice, Jesus clearly says she put in more than all the others, not just more than any one of the others. She put in more. She put in more than all of them put together. But how? That makes no sense. In what real down-to-earth way can that be true? What could possibly have been so special about her gift? And the answer to that question is at the very heart of Jesus' teaching on giving. I'm convinced, I'm convinced this is the most important thing you can ever learn about how God views your giving, my giving. Please don't think I'm just talking to you. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to all of us. The most important thing you can ever learn about how God views our giving to him and his work According to Jesus, she gave more. The text says she gave more because she gave out of her poverty, whereas they gave out of their wealth. I mean, there's a certain sense, if you added up the dollars, they gave more than she did. And yet Jesus doesn't buy it. So, so Jesus has to be operating under a different system. Agreed? He has to be operating under a different system. Jesus explains this in his amazing words in verse 44. For they all contributed out of their abundance. Okay? We need to look at what that means. But she, out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Did you catch it? Here's the principle. I hope you're ready for it. My gifts, my gifts are not measured by the amount I put in the plate. My gift is measured by what I spend on myself. 
There's an ouch in there, isn't there? That's what Jesus says. They gave out of their abundance. They gave and had lots left. She gave all that she, how much did she have left? So evidently, Jesus measures not by generosity. They certainly put in more. Jesus measures by sacrifice. None of you are smiling at me right now. I don't know how you avoid that in that text. If you have a way of avoiding it, tell me. Jesus measures my giving not by the amount I put in the plate, but by the amount I keep for myself. Those two things aren't the same. Generosity measures gift by the amount given. I mean, a $50,000 donation is generous by any reckoning. But for a millionaire, it's not likely the donation is an enormous sacrifice, right? It's generous. It's not sacrificial. This is a crucial distinction in the kingdom. This widow demonstrated both a supreme love for God and an active care, active faith in his care when she put her offering in the plate. She proved that she loved God more than anything else because she kept absolutely nothing back in her giving. And she proved faith in his care because she demonstrated her confidence that God would supply all her needs according to his riches and glory. Gifts are measured not by what I put in the plate, but by the amount of my income I consume on myself. Four. If you want, I can, I can resign after this message. Four. Jesus was drawn to the spirit in which this woman gave her gift. It, it seems to be just the selfless, passionate heart of this woman that caught Jesus' attention. Something did. And I want you to notice how Mark, as he puts, these, of course, are written after the events. Mark is putting his epistle together. He's collecting all sorts of accounts, things that happened. And I want you to notice where he slots this story on giving, the context in which he places it, okay? That's what I'd like to show you. Look at Mark 12, 38 to 40. In this teaching, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the feasts. Look at who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, make long prayers, they will receive greater condemnation. So, so here's, this is the context. Immediately around those verses on giving, the widow and her penny. The people described in these verses, they're the professionally religious people, and they loved what their religion gave them, gave them in terms of recognition, reputation, influence, security, privilege. 
They performed well in the spotlight, but they had crummy motives. Jesus saw right through them. He still does. Tell yourself that every time you come into church. Right after giving these words of warning, okay, there. Jesus has berated these power seekers. Right after that, he sits down and he watches the people with their offerings. Just at that moment, right after this, this widow comes by. And she's noticed by no one with her penny. She doesn't even know Jesus is watching. Wouldn't we all be great givers if we knew Jesus is watching? Like he isn't, right? Suddenly, out of no other motive than just a love for God, she takes out whatever little bag, her two coins that come up to a penny, she takes it out. And as no one is looking, no bells ring, no receipt is issued, by the way. She just... And off she goes. And here's the point. Jesus noticed. I can give you something encouraging. Nothing sacrificed from a devoted heart is ever wasted in the eyes of Jesus. Her gift was gigantic, measured in Jesus' terms. The terms are sacrifice, not just generosity. It's not what you give, it's what you spend on yourself. Does my offering still allow my covetous heart to go unchallenged? Can I give my generous offering and still do absolutely everything and buy everything I want? Then my offering wasn't big enough. It has to safeguard my heart against covetousness or it's not a good gift in the books of Jesus. Oh, it can do a lot of good. It can still send missionaries to the field. It can buy vehicles. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about what it does for my heart, the giver. It has to be sacrificial to accomplish this in my heart. This has always been the way in God's kingdom. Never, never allow fatigue or just frustration with appeals or the abuse of some religious organization. Never that, never allow that to distort or shrink the simple God-filled passion this woman demonstrated. Jesus takes time to make this woman a permanent measuring stick. This whole account deals with the issue we studied a couple weeks ago when I said the New Testament lifts the ceiling of the tithe, it doesn't lower the floor. It just raises the ceiling. I mean, the tithe measures my giving by a fixed percentage. It's a great starting place. It's a help. It's a help to governing personal covetousness, but it's just a little help. This widow's gift 
grabs hold of Jesus' heart and it embarrasses the mindset that just calculates what's, what percentage can I get away with here? Tithe only measures the amount given. This account raises the bar. I have to deal with this in my own heart. So do you. God measures my giving not by what I put in the plate, but how much I continue to consume on myself. And, and let me just close with this sentence. Here's the reason God measures that way. It sharpens my understanding of the image of God who gave his only begotten son to sacrifice his life for my salvation. And when I give sacrificially, I say to myself, that's the heart of God. Oh, that's what he's like. And you'll find great joy more and more as your heart is freed from greed. You learn, you learn something real important. Here's the principle. Here's the principle. Not wanting something is as good as possessing it. That's a freed heart. So Jesus, thank you for this account. Maybe, maybe we're not all ready for it. But you, you single out this woman and the sacrifice of her gift. There, you say to the disciples, look, look, look and learn, look and remember. This is a principle. Oh, our hearts, my heart, they're, they're greedy enough. They don't need help. They need a remedy. No wonder the New Testament talks about the grace of giving. It's one way in which you change our hearts. It's how your grace works in our hearts. Bless this truth, I pray, and our worship together in Jesus' name.